Parenting with the brain in mind, helping your child become better integrated. Parents are often experts about their children's bodies. They know that a temperature above 98.6 degrees is a fever. They know to clean out a cut so it doesn't get infected. They know which foods are most likely to leave their child wired before bedtime. But even the most caring, highly educated parents often lack basic information about their child's brain. Isn't that surprising? Especially when you consider the central role the brain plays in virtually every aspect of a child's life that parents care about, discipline, decision-making, self-awareness, school, relationships, and so on. In fact, the brain pretty much determines who we are and what we do. And since the brain itself is significantly shaped by the experiences we offer as parents, knowing about the way the brain changes in response to our parenting can help us to nurture a stronger, more resilient child. Most of us don't think about the fact that our brain has many different parts with different jobs. For example, you have a left side of the brain that helps you think logically and organize thoughts into sentences, and a right side that helps you experience emotions and read nonverbal cues. You also have a reptile brain that allows you to act instinctually and make split-second survival decisions, and a mammal brain that leads you toward connection and relationships. One part of your brain is devoted to dealing with memory, another to making moral and ethical decisions. It's almost as if your brain has multiple personalities, some rational, some irrational, some reflective, some reactive. No wonder we can seem like different people at different times. As children develop, their brains mirror their parents' brain. In other words, the parents' own growth and development, or lack of those, impact the child's brain. As parents become more aware and emotionally healthy, their children reap the rewards and move toward health as well. The key to thriving is to help these parts work well together, to integrate them. Integration takes the distinct parts of your brain and helps them work together as a whole. It's similar to what happens in the body, which has different organs to perform different jobs, the lungs breathe air, the heart pumps blood, the stomach digests food. For the body to be healthy, these organs all need to be integrated. In other words, they each need to do their individual job while also working together as a whole. Integration is simply that, linking different elements together to make a well-functioning whole. Just as with the healthy functioning of the body, your brain can't perform at its best unless its different parts work together in a coordinated and balanced way. That's what integration does, it coordinates and balances the separate regions of the brain that it links together. It's easy to see when our kids aren't integrated, they become overwhelmed by their emotions, confused and chaotic. We want to help our children become better integrated so they can use their whole brain in a coordinated way. For example, we want them to be horizontally integrated so that their left brain logic can work well with their right brain emotion. We also want them to be vertically integrated, so that the physically higher parts of their brain, which let them thoughtfully consider their actions, work well with the lower parts, which are more concerned with instinct, gut reactions, and survival. In recent years, scientists have developed brain scanning technology that allows researchers to study the brain in ways that were never before possible. This new technology has confirmed much of what we previously believed about the brain. However, one of the surprises that have shaken the very foundations of neuroscience is the discovery that the brain is actually plastic, or moldable. This means that the brain physically changes throughout the course of our lives, not just in childhood, as we had previously assumed. What molds our brain? Experience. Even into old age, our experiences actually change the physical structure of the brain. 
When we undergo an experience, our brain cells, called neurons, become active, or fire. To live a balanced, meaningful, and creative life full of connected relationships, the two hemispheres of the brain must work together. You probably know that your brain is divided into two hemispheres. Not only are these two sides of the brain anatomically separate, they also function very differently. Some people even say that the two hemispheres have their own distinct personalities, each side with a mind of its own. The scientific community refers to the way the different sides of the brain influences as left hemisphere and right hemisphere modalities. But for simplicity's sake, we'll just go with the common usage and talk about your left brain and your right brain. Your left brain loves and desires order. It is logical, literal, linguistic, it likes words, and linear, it puts things in a sequence or order. The left brain loves that all four of these words begin with the letter L, it also loves lists. The right brain, on the other hand, is holistic and nonverbal, sending and receiving signals that allow us to communicate, such as facial expressions, eye contact, tone of voice, posture, and gestures. Instead of details and order, our right brain cares about the big picture, the meaning and feel of experience, and specializes in images, emotions, and personal memories. We get a gut feeling or heartfelt sense from our right brain. In terms of development, very young children are right hemisphere dominant, especially during their first three years. They haven't mastered the ability to use logic and words to express their feelings, and they live their lives completely in the moment, which is why they will drop everything to squat down and fully absorb themselves in watching a ladybug crawl along the sidewalk, not caring one bit that they are late for their toddler music class. Logic, responsibilities, and time don't exist for them yet. But when a toddler begins asking why all the time, you know that the left brain is beginning to really kick in. Why? Because our left brain likes to know the linear cause-effect relationships in the world, and to express that logic with language. As parents become more aware and emotionally healthy, their children reap the rewards and move toward health as well. That means that integrating and cultivating your own brain is one of the most loving and generous gifts you can give your children. In order to live balanced, meaningful, and creative lives full of connected relationships, it's crucial that our two hemispheres work together. The very architecture of the brain is designed this way. For example, the corpus chiosum is a bundle of fibers that runs along the center of the brain, connecting the right hemisphere with the left. The communication that takes place between the two sides of our brain is conducted across these fibers, allowing the two hemispheres to work as a team, which is exactly what we want for our kids. We want them to become horizontally integrated so that the two sides of their brain can act in harmony. That way, our children will value both their logic and their emotions, they will be well balanced and able to understand themselves and the world at large. The brain has two sides for a reason, with each side having specialized functions, we can achieve more complex goals and carry out more intricate, sophisticated tasks. Significant problems arise when the two sides of our brain are not integrated, and we end up coming at our experiences primarily from one side or the other. Using only the right or left brain would be like trying to swim using only one arm. We might be able to do it, but wouldn't we be a lot more successful, and avoid going in circles, if we used both arms together? It's the same with the brain. Think about our emotions, for example. They're absolutely crucial if we are to live meaningfully, but we don't want them to rule our lives completely. If our right brain took over, and we ignored the logic of our left brain, we would feel like we were drowning in images, bodily sensations, and what could feel like an emotional flood. 
But at the same time, we don't want to use only our left brain, divorcing our logic and language from our feelings and personal experiences. That would feel like living in an emotional desert. How to integrate the left and the right? Whole brain strategy number one, connect and redirect, surfing emotional waves. In our society, we're trained to work things out using our words and our logic. But when your four-year-old is absolutely furious because he can't walk on the ceiling like Spider-Man, that's probably not the best time to give him an introductory lesson in the laws of physics. Or when your 11-year-old is feeling hurt because it seems that his sister is receiving preferential treatment, the appropriate response isn't to get out a scorecard showing that you reprimand each of your children in equal measure. Instead, we can use these opportunities to realize that at these moments, logic isn't our primary vehicle for bringing some sort of sanity to the conversation. Seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? It's also crucial to keep in mind that no matter how nonsensical and frustrating our child's feelings may seem to us, they are real and important to our child. It's vital that we treat them as such in our response. During conversations like this, appealing to your child's right brain by acknowledging his feelings. Also, use nonverbal signals like physical touch, empathetic facial expressions, a nurturing tone of voice, and nonjudgmental listening. Use your right brain to connect and communicate with his right brain. This right-to-right attunement will help bring his brain into balance, or into a more integrated state. Then appeal to your son's left brain and address the specific issues he had raised. In other words, then it is time for step two, which helps to integrate the left and the right. The key here is that when your child is drowning in a right brain emotional flood, you'll do yourself and your child a big favor if you connect before you redirect. Step 2. Redirect with the left. Once you have connected with him right brain to right brain, it will be much easier to connect left to left and deal with the issues in a rational manner. Redirect through logical explanation and planning, which requires his left hemisphere to join the conversation. This approach will allow your son to use both sides of his brain in an integrated, coordinated way. Whole brain strategy number 2. Name it to tame it, telling stories to calm big emotions. A toddler falls and scrapes an elbow. A kindergartner loses a beloved pet. A fifth grader faces a bully at school. When a child experiences painful, disappointing, or scary moments, it can be overwhelming. When experiences like these happen, big emotions and bodily sensations flood the right brain. Knowing that our child is going through something, we as parents can help bring the left hemisphere into the picture so that the child can begin to understand what's happening. One of the best ways to promote this type of integration is to help retell the story of a frightening or painful experience. Why is retelling a story so effective? This will help your daughter bring her left brain and her right brain together so she can make sense of what had happened. When she retells the story, her two hemispheres will work together in an integrated way. She will engage her left brain by putting the details in order and the experience into words, and use her right brain by revisiting the emotions she felt. This way, she will name her fears and emotions so that she could then tame them. There may be times when our kids won't want to tell the story when we ask them to. We need to respect their desires about how and when to talk, especially because pressuring them to share will only backfire. Instead, we can gently encourage them by beginning the story and asking them to fill in the details, and if they're not interested, we can give them space and talk later. What kids often need, especially when they experience strong emotions, is to have someone help them use their left brain to make sense of what's going on, to put things in order and to name these big and scary right brain feelings so they can deal with them effectively.
helping develop and integrate your child's upstairs brain. Imagine that your brain is a house, with both a downstairs and an upstairs. The downstairs brain includes the brain stem and the limbic region, which are located in the lower parts of the brain, from the top of your neck to about the bridge of your nose. Scientists talk about these lower areas as being more primitive because they are responsible for basic functions like breathing and blinking, for innate reactions and impulses like fight and flight, and for strong emotions like anger and fear. Whenever you instinctually flinch because a little league foul ball flies into the stands, your downstairs brain is doing its job. Your upstairs brain is completely different. It's made up of the cerebral cortex and its various parts, particularly the ones directly behind your forehead, including what's called the middle prefrontal cortex. Unlike your more basic downstairs brain, the upstairs brain is more evolved and can give you a fuller perspective on your world. You might imagine it as a light-filled second-story study or library full of windows and skylights that allow you to see things more clearly. This is where more intricate mental processes take place, like thinking, imagining, and planning. Too often we forget that discipline really means to teach, not to punish. A disciple is a student, not a recipient of behavioral consequences. Whole brain strategy number three, engage, don't enrage, appealing to the upstairs brain. Ask yourself, as you interact with your kids through the day, which part of their brain you're appealing to. Are you engaging the upstairs? Or are you triggering the downstairs? The answer to this question can go a long way toward determining the outcome of one of those delicately balanced parenting moments. A simple awareness of the downstairs and upstairs brain can have a direct and immediate impact on the way we parent and discipline our children. When a challenge arises, ask yourself, which part of the brain do I want to appeal to here? You can get what you want by challenging your son and demanding that he change his behavior immediately. With authority in your eyes, he will obey, albeit resentfully. But this approach can trigger the downstairs brain, and his anger and feelings of unfairness will rage within him. Instead, engage his upstairs brain by helping him think through the situation and find a way to negotiate. Let's make one thing clear, sometimes there is no place for negotiation in parent-child interactions. Children need to respect their parents' authority, and sometimes that means that no simply means no, without wiggle room. Also, sometimes, counteroffers are unacceptable. Whole brain strategy number four, use it or lose it, exercising the upstairs brain. In addition to appealing to our children's upstairs brain, we also want to help them exercise it. The upstairs brain is like a muscle, when it gets used, it develops, gets stronger, and performs better. And when it gets ignored, it doesn't develop optimally, losing some of its power and ability to function. That's what we mean by, use it or lose it. We want to be intentional about developing the upstairs brain of our children. As we've been saying, a strong upstairs brain balances out the downstairs brain and is essential for social and emotional intelligence. It's the foundation of solid mental health. Our job is to provide our kids with opportunity after opportunity to exercise their upstairs brain so that it can grow stronger and more powerful. As you and your children go through your day, watch for ways you can focus on and exercise different functions of the upstairs brain. Whole brain strategy number five, move it or lose it, moving the body to avoid losing the mind. Research has shown that bodily movement directly affects brain chemistry. So when one of your children has lost touch with his upstairs brain, a powerful way to help him regain balance is to have him move his body. Research shows that when we change our physical state through movement or relaxation, for example, we can change our emotional state. 
Try smiling for a minute, it can make you feel happier, quick, shallow breaths accompany anxiety, and if you take a slow, deep breath, you'll likely feel calmer. You can try these little exercises with your child to teach her how her body affects how she feels. The body is full of information that it sends to the brain. In fact, a lot of the emotion we feel actually begins in the body. Our churning stomach and tense shoulders send physical messages of anxiety to the brain before we even consciously realize that we're nervous. The flow of energy and information from the body up into our brain stem, into our limbic region, and then up into the cortex, changes our bodily states, our emotional states, and our thoughts. Kill the butterflies. Integrating memory for growth and healing. Think about your memory for changing a diaper. When you approach a changing table, you don't actively talk yourself through the process. Okay, first place the baby on the pad. Now unzip the pajamas and remove the soggy diaper. Place the clean diaper under the baby and... No, none of that's necessary because when you change a diaper, you just do it. You've done it so many times before, you don't even think about what you're doing. Your brain fires off clusters of neurons that let you undo the tabs, remove the diaper, reach for a baby wipe, and so on, all without ever even realizing that you are remembering how to do it. That's one kind of memory, past experiences, changing diaper after diaper, influence your behavior in the present, changing this particular diaper, without any realization that your memory has even been triggered. If, on the other hand, you think about that day you first changed a diaper, you might pause for a moment, scan your memory, and come up with an image of yourself nervously gripping a baby's ankle, then cringing at the mess you find in the diaper, then struggling to figure out what to do next. When you actively think about these images and emotions, then you're aware that you are recalling something from the past. This is also memory, but it's different from the memory that enables you to change a diaper now without thinking about it. These two types of memory interweave and work together in your normal everyday living. The memory that enables you to change your baby without knowing that you are remembering is called implicit memory. Your ability to recall learning to change a diaper or to recall any other specific moment is explicit memory. Usually, when we talk about memory, we mean what technically explicit memory, a conscious recollection of a past experience is. But we need to know about both kinds of memory, for our own sake as well as for that of our children. By getting a clear handle on these two different types of memory, we can provide our kids with what they need as they grow and mature and deal with difficult experiences. Whole brain strategy number six, use the remote of the mind, replaying memories. Storytelling is also a powerful activity for integrating implicit and explicit memories. But sometimes, if a child is feeling the effects of an especially painful experience from the past, she may not be ready to remember the entire experience. In that case, you can introduce her to her internal DVD player, which comes with a remote control that lets her replay an experience in her mind. It can also pause, rewind, and fast forward. Just like you might fast forward through the scary parts of a movie or rewind to watch your favorite scene again, the remote of the mind is a tool that gives your child some control while revisiting an unpleasant memory. The goal here is to help your kids take the troubling experiences that are impacting them without their knowledge, the scattered puzzle pieces in their mind, and make those experiences explicit so that the whole picture in the puzzle can be seen with clarity and meaning. By introducing them to the remote of the mind, which controls their internal DVD player, you make the storytelling process much less scary, because you offer them some control over what they deal with, so they can interact with it at their own pace. They can then look at an experience that scared, or angered or frustrated, them without having to relive it scene for the scene immediately. Introducing your child to the power of mindsight. 
Mindsight means understanding our own mind as well as understanding the mind of another. Understanding our own mind is where mental health and well-being begin. Whole brain strategy number seven, let the clouds of emotions roll by teaching that feelings come and go. As we've said repeatedly in our journey through this book, it's very important that kids learn about and understand their feelings. But it's also true that feelings need to be recognized for what they are, temporary, changing conditions. They are states, not traits. They're like the weather. Rain is real, and we'd be foolish to stand in a downpour and act as if it weren't actually raining. But we'd be just as foolish to expect that the sun will never reappear. We need to help children understand that the clouds of their emotions can and will roll on by. They won't feel sad or angry or hurt or lonely forever. This is a difficult concept for kids to understand at first. When they hurt or when they're scared, it's sometimes hard for them to imagine that they won't always suffer. Taking the long view isn't usually that easy even for an adult, much less a young child. So, we have to help them understand that feelings are temporary, on average, an emotion comes and goes in 90 seconds. Younger kids will obviously need your help, but they can certainly grasp the idea that feelings come and go. The more kids understand that feelings come and go, the less they'll get stuck on the rim of their wheel, and the more they'll be able to live life and make decisions on their own. Whole brain strategy number eight, increase the family fun factor, making a point to enjoy each other. Do you ever feel like you're spending most of your time either disciplining the kids or carting them from one activity to the next and not enough time just enjoying being with them? If you do, you're not alone, most of us feel this from time to time. Sometimes it's easy to forget just to have fun as a family. Yet, we are hardwired for play and exploration as well as for joining with one another. In fact, playful parenting is one of the best ways to prepare your children for relationships and encourage them to connect with others. That's because it gives them positive experiences being with the people they spend the most time with, their parents. Of course, children need structure and boundaries and to be held accountable for their behavior, but even as you maintain your authority, don't forget to have fun with your kids. Play games. Tell jokes. Be silly. Take an interest in what they care about. The more they enjoy the time they spend with you and the rest of the family, the more they'll value relationships and desire more positive and healthy relational experiences in the future. Conclusion The whole brain perspective empowers you to transform the daily parenting challenges that can interrupt the fun and connection you have with your children. Whole brain parenting allows you to go far beyond mere survival. This approach promotes connection and a deeper understanding between you and your children. An awareness of integration gives you the competence and confidence to handle things in ways that make you closer to your kids, so you can know their minds, and therefore help shape their minds in positive and healthy ways. As a result, not only will your children thrive, but your relationship with them will flourish as well. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. It is important to take advantage of the moments you have with your kids, but it's not realistic to think you can do this 100% of the time. Remain aware of the daily opportunities to nurture your kids' development. But that doesn't mean you have to be constantly talking about the brain or repeatedly prodding your children to recall significant events in their lives. It's just as important to relax and have fun together. And yes, sometimes it's even okay to let a teachable moment pass by.